Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar stories and scalies. I'm your host, Led Melanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Matt Machine, Lucky Evie, and Stryker. Today is our 28th episode, and we're discussing 2020, uh, 2022's rather, uh, Jurassic World Dominion for our first ever theme month of Jurassic July. So, let's get things started. The now, final one, baby. Lay, yep, let's uh, lay it on the line right now. This is the worst installment of the Jurassic Park franchise. Oh, by this far. Is, oh, absolutely. Is, it's okay, is. but an okay movie does not fix an entire generation that gradually gets worse and worse with each, with each installment. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And one of the biggest problems of this movie is this is not only the worst Jurassic World slash Jurassic Park movie, it is also the longest one. It's two and a half hours long, so that means you could watch Fellowship of the Ring in the same time you can watch this movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, it and feels like you're going through a time warp, and it's actually about exactly. seven rather than two exactly. and a half. I had that exact same experience. It felt so much longer than what it originally was supposed to be. That was like the weirdest thing. It really felt like it was such a long movie. It was like twice Damn. as long as it was. Yeah, but, it felt yeah. like riding the subway, and I would take that over this movie, admittedly. Even though, again, it's an okay movie. Not a great movie, not a shit movie, but it's just okay. Bordering exactly. on not that good. Exactly. But yeah, the movie opens up with probably the best part of the movie. It shows a dinosaurs wreaking havoc on the world in unique ways through a news report that is pretty de- decent exposition. Now, of course, in the last movie, the dinosaurs are all released, and they're basically running loose throughout the world. They have a cool part like CNN. The Mo- Yeah, the Mosasaurus attacks the fishing boats. You see Rexy attack a campsite. You see, like, a guy getting arrested for, tell- for selling, like, uh, pterodons uh, basically out of his shop, which will come into play later on in a pretty stupid sequence, but we'll eventually uh, get to that when it comes. So oh, man, that that the, a quick tangent that yeah. that one bit with the diamond dining theater was honestly a little charming. Yeah, it was. It was. I <laughs> like had some good parts of it. The T Rex to like pop out of the uh, freaking uh, screen, but like the stuff that happens in there, like the couple making out, like people still yeah. looking ahead in their cars. <laughs> exactly. Like I said, this is probably the uh, best part of the movie because it actually is the only part that really follows up on the promise that the last one made, that we would just get to see dinosaurs you know, you know, wreak havoc and destroy stuff throughout the world. But it's, we are also introduced to a Biosent, which is led by a Dodgson, who is uh, from the first movie. And I know he's the villain from the uh, second book, which I have not read, so I wouldn't know, but it still feels very weird to me. Because, you know, for someone who has not really, you know, who did not read the second book like I did, to me, he's just the courier from the first movie. He's the guy who, you know, Nedry is supposed to give the dinosaur eggs to to give to the company. It's like, it feels really weird that, you know, they would make someone who most of the audience would consider to be an extremely minor character from the first one and ba- and make him into this huge, big, evil villain for the most recent installment. What we get in actuality is a guy who's pretty much Harvey Beaks from uh, DuckTales 2017, but less charismatic. 
and, and also uh, with a funny twist that we'll get to later yeah involving yeah. said dinosaur eggs but yeah. yeah yeah there is a good one there is one cute uh it's almost like a blink and you miss a joke that is just so witty it's like how do they slip it in so you know uh quietly there's a oh, part yeah? with the poll that basically asks, what should we do with the dinosaurs? And 5% of people say, let's open Jurassic World again. <laughs> oh, it's man. just like a blink and you miss a joke during the uh, opening exposition of the movie. And it really is a funny part. The uh, pterodon nest in New York City, uh, I think it's actually in the same building. It really is a direct ripoff, I think. You might say homage, I say ripoff of the movie Q the Winged Serpent, which is about a Kezi Kotal basically uh, coming to New York and causing a lot of death and havoc there. And that is a better movie than this one, which makes me wish I was watching Q the Winged Serpent instead. Even the title sequence is a little bit uh, underwhelming in a way. It just feels like, you know, with the whole mist and the fog and whatnot, it doesn't have a sense of a grandiose the last one did. But like, you know, yeah. forming the logo and whatnot. But yeah, after the uh, newest position that, the movie proper begins with Claire, Zia, and Franklin freeing dinosaurs from, ca ca from uh, captivity, much like how they did in uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park. And the Triceratops infant that they save here, I think that's one of the few audio animatronics in this movie. And it's a pretty oh, there good are one. plenty, trust me. Yeah, yeah. But then what happens is when they free the uh, baby Triceratops, they get into car chase that is almost exactly like something out of Mission Impossible. It's like something that I expect Ethan Hunt to do, not, you know, you know, someone who is a former CEO in the last two movies. But we'll get to how ridiculous the action scenes with Claire can get later on. Okay, honestly, calling that a Mission Impossible chase scene is dodgy at best. Uh, like, I... I somewhat is, see what you mean but that's like impossible but uh i will also say that it's basically a um indiana jones action scene that too there there was and a lot of indie in this movie thing. as well you know it's not a bad thing but it doesn't feel like jurassic park slash it, jurassic it ended park. up yep. being more action than jurassic anything park. Exactly. It didn't. It felt like they had a bunch of scripts for other stuff, and then just slapped the you know Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World name on it. Which again but, yeah, isn't a bad thing, especially bad with thing, some of the action scenes we do get. But yeah, yeah I I will admit it's a little more action oriented, which can be a turn off for some people. Movie. Wasn't yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, and then, anyway, the uh, Zia, Franklin, and Claire they barely make it out alive, and Zia and Franklin basically quit, reasoning that it's impossible that they can keep on doing this and that. Then the movie cuts to Owen and, and uh, basically a bunch of other, uh, I guess you call them wranglers, herding dinosaurs, which should be really cool, but yet it just feels so underwhelming. Yeah, yeah for the most part. Yeah, really also, like tangent on the yeah, two yeah. of them in that one scene that you were talking about, yeah. uh, it honestly kind of feels like they were just they were just openly uh, admitting that they were quitting the Jurassic World series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although we do get to see Franklin later on. We yep. don't really get to see much of Zia after this. So I think, like, Absolutely. she just owned one scene and she was out of this, which probably yep. makes her the smartest character in the whole movie. Exactly. But yeah, the part with the, uh, you know, again, wrangling the dinosaurs, it reminds me a lot of this uh, 1950s movie, The Beast of Hollow Mountain. It's about, you know, a dinosaur basically being discovered in Mexico 
and you know cowboys and you know like uh ranchers and that fight him off and that that's another movie that again is probably better than jurassic world dominion if nothing else i kind of want to see a movie that like takes place in the west but like okay hear me out on this it's like good dinosaur meets uh technically uh true grit slash city slickers but like it's a lot better a lot more wholesome and probably would get a probably would have a better director or something like that you know what i mean like it's just dinosaurs in the wild west but oh man yeah that definitely was something that and again this movie a beast of hollow mountain kind of is like that but it's made in the 50s so it might not be for everyone's tastes but i kind of liked it but now getting back to this movie we finally uh get back to uh more of Maisie, claire and owen who are living in society away from the woods and I'm just sorry. The human drama was bad last time. In this movie, it is insufferable. I actually, when I rewatched this movie, yeah, when I rewatched this movie for the podcast, you know, I I watched it, you know, on DVD, then I watched it on, you know, streaming on the computer. I actually fast forwarded through those sequences the second time because I just, I could not. It is so poorly written and just, they just feel so wooden. It just feels forced. Like the drama, yeah, the drama exactly. of this sucks. Like, it there's is, one, like, is. there's one exception that doesn't feel wooden, but just feels very weird. But we'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, yeah it this also later leads to, uh, it, yeah. honestly, a downgrade for Blue. Like, yeah, yeah. But uh, I do like the part when uh, Maisie sneaks out and they see the Brachiosaurus in the construction site being heard away. Yeah. It is a good part, and it makes me really wish that we saw more things like that, like dinosaurs interacting with human nature. How yeah. would the you know, beast from like you know millennia ago interact with things that they would have no context for or anything like that? Instead, we get some more, uh, more pointless things. And every time the movie cuts to uh, their shack in the woods, Claire and Owen, because it's always snowing, it's a little shack in the woods, I couldn't help but think of The Shining. Like it would, the, yeah. it would pan over. You'd see Jack Terrance's frozen corpse, and Beta and Blue that would be corpse. eating his arms. <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you mean. Oh my gosh, I kind of, yeah. I kind of wanted to see that. Yeah, that that would make the movie way better if it turns out. Oh my god, it was a sequel to The Shining all along. It's <laughs> like Doctor Sleep too. <laughs> oh, I, I need to see Dr. Sleep. I saw yeah, The Shining, it's, it's okay. but I didn't see Dr. Sleep. Okay. But, it's okay. Shining but, yeah. is way better, in my opinion, but mm-hmm. that's and, okay. And then, but, it yeah. to, uh, and then it gets to Blue and Blue, Beta. Blue. Yeah, we get to see her uh, having survived in the wilderness, and Blue and Beta are absolutely adorable together. The fact that we did not get more of them in this movie is a crime. Because yeah, I would have watched and, an entire movie of just Blue raising Beta in the wilderness, you know, with things like that. Like, Beta managing to take down an entire wolf by herself is great. And yeah. you really feel that, you know, it's like, you know, a creature, you know, a mother and a yeah. daughter. Basically. Yeah, two things, about, two things about Blue and Beta, though, before we get mm-hmm. too far. One is in this. Okay, this is arguably the only. This is arguably the only good scene with Blue and Beta, in my opinion, because like, uh, we'll we'll get to the later stuff at a later time. But yeah, this is very wholesome, but it kind of takes a backseat to the other stuff that happens with Blue and the others. Even Beta, for the most part, takes a step back in this in this movie, character-wise. Not like they're not like they're terrible. Far from it. 
but the fact that the but the fact that everything that was established in the first two movies ultimately gets rear-ended in this is honestly telling and it yeah, gave me yeah, a lot I, of like worry pits in my stomach yeah, exactly, every time i saw exactly. it because like and what's gonna happen what's gonna happen don't make me this because i am generally not a fan of like animals distrusting people and like people like abusing animals that sort of thing it, it is something that really sits with me really strongly and made me really worried in this movie yeah and the other thing i had to say about blue is such a shame is that she's really barely in this movie outside from this scene a couple of scenes a little while later which i will shortly be talking about and the ending she's really not in this which again a very missed opportunity yeah. So we don't get to see her interact with like uh, Alan or Ellie or Malcolm or that. And again, we'll get to them too. But now Probably we... because her blood was like ultimately yeah. not very suitable. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, now, of course, we have the uh, scene where they talk around the campfire, which is more human drama, which you don't need to hear. So we'll just skip it over. We cut to the van with the uh, poacher in it. And I didn't even know this character's name. I, I just have him in my notes, literally, as Poacher. Yeah, yeah he's the if Poacher. They said his he name, sucks. I did not hear it. They said his and name, I forget it. We honestly don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, 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 not about this thing. So, yeah, then the movie cuts to Texas, where a Texas. farm and its livestock slash its crops are swarmed by giant locusts. The main villain of this movie about dinosaurs are giant locusts. It's like if they had a script of a movie about giant bugs and decided to put it in this movie instead. We're not the giant bug uh, podcast. We're the uh, dragonous female dinosaurs and other similar stories and scalies podcast. So yeah, uh, yeah. Though I will say this, I will say this: the bugs, for the most part, take a back seat. They're no, not. No, they do. Uh, they're not they a prevalent like... villain, and they don't distract from much. They, but they don't bring a whole lot to this either. It feels pointless. That That's exactly what I'm getting. It just feels like they had something from another idea, another script, another movie entirely. And they said, why don't we just put it in our Jurassic World uh, sequel script? And they're like, okay. And they did that. And Ooh. again, it really doesn't add to anything. It doesn't, like you said, it doesn't distract. It's not too, too bad. It could have been a lot worse, but it could have been a lot better too. But anyway, yeah, absolutely, we finally yeah. get... Yeah, we finally get to see the first of our returning characters, Ellie Sattler, who visits the farm and she studies the locusts and whatnot. And then it's here where we get to finally get when we finally get to see uh, Alan Grant again on a dig site. And they play the Jurassic Park theme, but it doesn't feel earned. It feels like, you know, in the last in all of the Jurassic Park movies leading up to this one, even Dominion. The, the Jurassic Park theme song was saved for, like, some big, majestic, grandiose, you know, basically uh, realization or big, you know, uh, showcase of something. And the first well, one is... Alan Grant coming back wasn't a bad... Oh, no, Alan bad Grant review. is part of this. Alan Grant is... It feels really nice to see the main characters again, and... Honestly, it, yeah. Yeah, if I know it's nostalgia bait, and it definitely was a way just to get people to go and buy this or see this. I know I bought this because I wanted to see Alan Grant, Ellie Sadler, and Ian Malcolm again. But it does feel a little bit like nostalgia bait, but I'll take it over some of the other stuff in this movie. So yeah, Ellie reunites with Alan, and it's revealed that she divorced her husband from Jurassic Park 3, which does not really come up again. I don't know why they put that in the script, but they did. Well, it's, well they get back together and hey, it's, more of that it's later. It's for fan service, so, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but eh. it doesn't add to the story at all. No, that's that's no, the thing. 
Yeah. So Grant analyzes the uh, giant locust, while Ellie decides that she and Grant should go to Biosyn, and they have an in because Ian Malcolm is the on-site philosopher for Biosyn. I mean, Apparently. granted, this is just a ploy to get, you know, Ian Malcolm, Ellie, and, you know, Dr. Grant back together again, which, again, I will have any excuse to get them together in the same scene is a good one. I mean, but this is the same feels... series that get, that uh, this is the same guy who pretty much explained chaos theory. Yeah, exactly. Like... Like, he would work for somebody like as obvious a villain as a uh, Dogson. Yeah, yeah, again, um, was a ploy. So yeah, exactly. Props to that. exactly. And he but, did. Yeah. And he does do a lot of great things in this movie. It does. So. It does. And the oh, part went the next part when we get to see all the dinosaurs and the padlocks are fun. And we do get a lot of variety with the uh, actual dinosaurs in this movie, which is I will give this movie credit where credit is due. I am really glad that they put a lot more variety of the dinosaur type in this movie. A lot of mm. them got a really good scene to shine. Not so much with this part, which is uh, I think just showing casing the showcasing the dinosaurs to the audience who basically at this one probably wondering, like, you know, Ian Malcolm in the first one. Uh uh, there are gonna be dinosaurs in this dinosaur movie, aren't there? Uh, uh, uh. I really hate that man. Uh. <laughs> I really hate that man. Uh, oh my uh, yeah. gosh. But yeah, uh. speaking of uh dinosaurs, we finally get to see Maisie meet Blue in well, it's probably Maisie's best scene, just, you know, her childlike wonder, which really compares to the more sullen teenagerness of the rest of her character throughout this movie. And Blue the appears... The angst did not work with this Oh, oh, it was insufferable. That is another reason why the, uh, why the drama in this movie did not work for me, because it was just so played out in a lot of ways. It really, really gets... It's like they didn't understand it. human beings in this movie. And this is ultimately where I kind of feel Blue's character goes backwards. Because, like, yes. in the very same scene, she comes over, hey, get away from my kid, which... What the I heck? I think Macy is threatening her child, which, again, I have to give Devil's Advocate, it, it would be a realistic animal response, but at the same Honestly, time, yeah. she doesn't recognize Owen at all. It's like, that, but then again, that's one of my biggest issues with this movie. Like her, like going full on feral and not recognizing the person who freaking raised her and trained her, which is, yeah, why I said Blue's character gets a freaking, mm, gets freaking two steps back in this movie because, yeah, like How Blue was just very hostile for justified reasons, but. To the, but to the point where she ultimately doesn't recognize any of them? Exactly. That's, that, that's weird. You know, that is very weird. I, I didn't actually think about that. I thought, you know, it would make sense. But now that you say it, yeah, because she was raised to see Owen as, like, her her pack leader in a way. Yeah, for real. Yeah, and Didn't I mean, she also imprint on him? Basically, sure yeah, in the last yeah. two ones, yeah. But in this case, uh, they obviously forgot about it for whatever reason. Either that, or they decided that the mama instincts should override the uh, alpha instincts, which is still stupid, in yeah. my opinion. But yeah, Maisie basically goes, chooses to go off to help Beta, which causes both of them to be kidnapped by the poacher. And I'm going to be honest, the CGI on Blue for this one sequence, it looked a little bit unfinished at one point. It looked oh, yeah? like she was just like a render at one point. Like they didn't finish, you know, fully doing the details on her. You know, it, it look, she looked a little bit like one from the uh, first one, one of the weaker scenes of the first one, shall we say. 
Which again really... is a con- it shouldn't be a you know thing against it, but yeah. So anyway, we get to see uh, Ramsey. Uh, oh, sorry, the title said sorry. Uh, Claire basically calls Franklin, who is now working for the CIA, to get them to find out where uh, Maisie and Beta are going. Meanwhile, we finally get uh, Alan and Ellie going to Biosyn. They're greeted by the character of Ramsey. And on the helicopter ride, he mentions that they took uh, dinosaurs from Isla Nublar and Isla Sorda, which is a pretty nice uh, acknowledgement of it, at least. That they did go and get some of the ones out of there rather than just, you know, leave them all to die on the island. So that is a welcome that I will welcome because uh, otherwise, in like a fallen kingdom, having them all be dead is really, really just the acing on the cake for like uh, the depressive note for that movie. Yeah, also, it's very nice that we uh, get active confirmation that Stornar is alive. At yep, the cost too. of being unable uh, able to discern whether or not the raptors on that island survived or not. Yeah, there's a few problems with uh, with this movie, like, continuity-wise. Yeah, it's pretty dang... Uh, yeah, it's pretty dang uh, scummy to like not say what happened to the other raptors because exactly like yeah, they're like saying Jurassic that blue and beta are the last of their kind, which I don't. It's ridiculous. Exactly that is ridiculous. Yeah. That that is absolutely ridiculous. You're definitely right about that. So yeah, uh, Grant and Ellie land on a Biosense uh, research center. They meet Dodson, and uh, we get to see Malcolm's speech, which is more true to his character than anything he did in Fallen Kingdom. So again. That is a plus point. They actually delivered on Ian Malcolm. They didn't just, you know, put him in the la- in the first uh, five minutes and the last five minutes and say, here he is. He's in the movie. He actually is Get in the movie. now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, what? Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. But yeah, uh, the part with the Biosyn, though, it does have some comedy that really fell flat with the Grant and the uh, coffee shop uh, employee. The part where he talks to the barista at the coffee shop portion of it. That was just so pointless. It's like, what were they trying to do? Like, you know, oh, you know, old man doesn't know what a latte is. <laughs> you know, it just mm. really feels... Again, something that is just trying to pad out the movie. They got to get the movie to a you know two two and a half hour runtime. I agree. Yeah, that was it. Wasn't offensive. I didn't feel bothered by it, it but yeah, it was mad. But it did serve a short purpose of uh, distracting the uh, yeah cameras and getting the band exactly, exactly. Because Malcolm, it turns out, is against Dodgson, which of course he would be. He gives Ellie a key past the restricted area. And now we get to see more of the restricted area where we have the return of Dr. Wu, who is now working Ooh. for Dodson and Biosyn to make the locust. And Dodson's- I, I have a huge problem with uh, Dr. Yeah, Wu being here because like, yeah. it's like, how many times are you going to employ this man? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know what he did. And they do try to uh, redeem him in the end. But it's like, no, he willingly made you know, all these monsters. He should be put away. Yeah, and honestly, uh, I I sent the script on the uh, I sent the script uh, to the uh, podcast DM, but but yeah, my my friend Charvoon makes a solid point that uh, honestly, Wu needed some form of fate. Like Dodson, absolutely, 
but and honestly fittingly in this movie more on that later but yeah honestly Wu needed some form of consequence i mean yes it's nice that they tried to uh have him atone for his actions somewhat and here it works because it leads to a good plot twist more on that in a bit but yeah it very very much but yeah, he. But yeah, the the consequences yeah. for his actions outweigh uh, needed to outweigh like him atoning for his sin. Exactly. Honestly, exactly. Yes. Yes. That that is exactly right. So yeah, Dodson's evil plan is basically to use the locust to cause a famine throughout the world and force people to buy biosyn crops, which is pretty evil. But it again, it feels like something like a James Bond villain would do. It's something like something like James Bond or something like Bile from uh, freaking uh, Carmen Sandiego would do. That too, that too. But yeah, honestly, it just feels like a petty thing for them to do. To be honest, exactly. It's like you know, it's it's you know how how much more richer can you be? You know how much more can you eat? Can you get stuff like that? It's like no, he Bigger wants people to only own you know bios and crops. Yep. Yep. So now we get to see uh, Macy and Blue taking to Malta with Claire and Owen for, uh, close behind. We get introduced to Kayla the pilot who, I'm going to be honest, uh, I was kind of meh about her. She could have been a really cool character, but it feels like she's just introduced a little bit, uh, not late into the movie, this is still like, early on in the movie, but it feels like she, they don't do much with her. She's more mm-hmm. of a plot device than a character, I feel. She's a way for mm-hmm. them to get from point A to point B. Mm. She feels yeah. like a carbon copy of uh, the uh, one woman they introduced in Rise of the Skywalker uh, that was uh, the leader of the group that broke off from uh, the, the New Order, whatever they were called. Oh, right, right, the yeah. The First yeah. Order, yeah. I remember yeah. that, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we get to see a Malta being a hotbed of crime and least and illegal activity, which is very far from the truth. Mm-hmm. And this is the part of the movie that I think completely where it loses me. Owen and Claire go to an underground dinosaur uh, smuggling ring area. We get to see more of Omar C from Jurassic World. Uh, he has an even smaller role than last time, which is a shame because, again, he's a fantastic actor. Go watch the French movies he's in, like, you know, The Untouchables, Monsieur Chocolat. All all the movies he does that are French movies are very, very well re- uh, done. I highly recommend them. But the part of uh, the inter- underground international dinosaur smuggling ring, it is such a knockoff of the Moz Eisley Cantina. I'm surprised we didn't get to see Han Solo and Greedo, you know, yeah, I, uh, you- I will admit it definitely had that sort of George Lucas esque <laughs> charm to it, which yeah, I I could tell from the get go, but it honestly wasn't too bad. Yeah, I know. It just the thing is though, it doesn't fit in with the rest of the franchise. It's like when you watch Jurassic World, would you Jurassic Park uh, or even Jurassic World? Yeah, would you have ever predicted a scene like this being in one of the sequels? Probably not. We get to mm. see, uh, like, people, you know, cooking roasted dinosaur, which, yeah, okay, that would happen. Uh, dinosaur, like, uh, cockfights in a really tiny arena. Dinosaurs being sold, etc. Uh, Claire attempts to get Kayla to help, uh, but Kayla turns him down. And then we get to see the uh, poacher appears in Malta and demands his money before he gets uh, shot at. And this is the point that, for me... 
The movie is not Jurassic Park anymore. At this point, the movie turns into a Jason Bourne movie. Owen chases the poacher through the smuggling area. The poacher accidentally releases the dinosaurs. Owen and the poacher fall in the dinosaur arena and get in a knife fight. Like, an actual, like, you know, scene with, you know, the poacher pulls out, like, a switchblade, and they're fighting with each other and that. And this is so not like Jurassic Park. That That's a thing that's crazy. This feels like they saw, you know, Jason Bourne, and were like, we can do that, too. But, of course, the dinosaurs are used in this scene because the poacher is knocked down, and the dinosaurs eat his arms, and one uh, breaks his neck, which oh, is man. a pretty good death scene, not going to lie. But, again, it, um, what built up to it? A knife fight in a dinosaur fighting arena. It's like, how is this anything like Jurassic? Like what we wanted to see in a Jurassic World movie? Okay. To be fair, I, I will, I will say this. It did. It, it honestly doesn't feel like a Jurassic Park sort of deal. But I do feel it's like an Owen Brady sort of deal. You know, it's not. It's it's not it's definitely a little out of character, I will admit, but it didn't really bother me all that much. I honestly would take the, a thousand action scenes over the drama in this movie any day. Oh no, day. no, me too, me too. At least in the Same. drama stuff, things you know happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, Santos, who is one of uh, Dodgson's workers, who only appears in this scene despite uh, being having such like a huge, massive buildup. It kind of reminds me, like, of in the James Bond movies, where they always, like, built up, like, one of the henchmen, only for, like, Bond to beat him in, like, a scene or that. Kind of like in a, was it Spy Who Loved Me, had the one uh, henchman, Sandor, they built him up as such a big thing, and then Bond pushes him over, uh, basically off a building, and it's like, wow, you really built him up there. But there it makes sense, here it doesn't. So anyway, uh, Claire chases uh, Santos down, she finds Santos in one of the apartments, and... She fights off Santos with a taser, and then uh, Claire is pursued by a dinosaur and jumps from rooftop to rooftop, which, again, Jason Bourne. This is exactly this kind of thing Jason Bourne would do. Not I mean, like she is being, I mean, who, she is being chased by a dinosaur. That's again, Yeah, yeah, girl. I can see that. But on the other hand, it just... It feels out of character. Like, you know, two movies ago, she was a corporate CEO. Now she's like an action hero. It, to, to me, it just doesn't click. It doesn't have... Even from, like, the last one to this one, it doesn't make sense. She, I mean, she does have some of, some of the experience for this sort of thing, so... No, no, I can, I can see that part, but, again, for me, maybe it's just my personal opinion, it just feels weird that they that you have her, like, you know... It's even filmed in, like, the shaky cam, like, you know, Born Ultimatum and that. Mm. I need to so, watch the so rest yeah, of the Born uh, movies, honestly. Yeah, they're good. They're good. They're they're all pretty good. I highly recommend them. But yeah, uh, Claire basically uh, is saved by Kayla, who drives her to safety. Barry, Hol- Barry uh, Omar C's character basically holds Santos at gunpoint and arrests her. So that's the last we see of her. And then we get to see Owen on the motorcycle chase uh, on the motorcycle. And he's being chased by uh, raptors in that. Which, again, really reminds me of Mission Impossible, because every movie has a big motorbike uh, stunt chase sequence with uh, Ethan Hunt on the motorcycle. And again, at this point, this movie is really everything but Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. I hate to, you know, keep reiterating that point, but it's just, it feels so wrong that, you know, that this was what they came up with. 
They had, you know, three, four years of, you know, to write a script, and this was the best they could come up with. It's oh. like the the dinosaurs are an obstacle at this point. Like, it does have the cool scene with, you know, a couple of dinosaurs attacking Taurus and Malta and whatnot, but again, they're not the focus. They're just an obstacle. You could replace the dinosaurs with, like, you know, uh, secret agents, you know, trying to shoot at him. Nothing would really change. For the most part. Oh, really? okay. yeah. To be yeah. fair... To be fair, this is this definitely does. I I, I haven't seen Mission Impossible all that much, so I'll take your word for that. But as a non uh, Mission Impossible watcher, seeing this for the first first time, I think it's all right. It works for Owen Brady for the most part again, and I and also to reiterate what two things to reiterate uh, this overall scene. One moment was uh, something Charvoon. Well, two things Charvoon brought up. The first was uh, the first was him uh, making a little joke from a review from a reviewer. Basically, like the poacher was pretty much writing down the entire address and all that much before he like got <laughs> freaking eviscerated. <laughs> the second part, uh, the the cinematography in this movie is another thing that he brought up, which I don't exactly have a trained eye for that sort of thing, so I'll take his word for it, but I will admit that there were some moments that needed a little more, like, needed better direction, as it were. Like, better, longer time, more focus, that sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. No, I definitely can tell your point. It feels like, again, they're doing that thing that a lot of modern yeah. action movies here where it's like cut, 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 cut. It's yeah, like it's a going movie. too fast. Then yeah, exactly. It's like down a, a little bit, and they do just not that some much. Extent, but what? Yeah, it's, exactly. it's like amazing Spider-Man too. Yeah, yeah, or like in a Taken Three where we have no joke, like a 12, 13 cuts over a scene where Liam Neeson jumps over a fence. Hmm. They, they wow. have like one sequence and they cut, they do like every angle of him, like just climbing over a fence like 13 times. It is insane. But this movie, thankfully, isn't that bad, but yeah, it can get really tedious at times. And mm. we do have one cool part of the, this sequence that almost redeems it, but not really. It's the part where uh, Owen rides his motorbike up Kayla's plane with the Raptor close behind. He throws the bike at the Raptor and it falls to its death while like holding on to the motorbike, which, again, it looks cool. In a, in a better movie, that would have been something that would have been really, really cool. And again, it still looks neat, but it just feels like, with everything behind it, it's just so fleeting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But now, of course, we uh, cut back to Biosyn, where we get to see Alan and Ellie be, be given the tour by Ramsey, while Dr. Wu uh, talks to Maisie about Beta and his work overall. And... It's here that we get to see uh, Charlotte's mother, uh, uh, Macy's mother, sorry, uh, Charlotte. She's seen in footage, and Charlotte is revealed to have made Maisie because Maisie cannot get, like, diseases or anything. She has, like, a perfect, you know, pathological body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, of course, that comes into play later on, and... Dr. Wu wants to use both Maisie and Beta's DNA to fix the problem by making that all the locusts don't carry the disease anymore so that they just become like a normal locust. Which, actually, now that I think about it, my James Bond mention might have been more appropriate because 
Dodson's scheme is the exact same scheme Blofeld had in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Blofeld was going to use locusts to decimate all the crops and whatnot with allergies. N not a not locusts. He was going to use a. He was going to have like allergies basically to decimate all the crops and whatnot on Earth if he didn't get you know a certain ransom and Bond stops him. Although that does have a tragic ending, but we're not going to talk about that here. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it really does remind me of that. But we get to see uh, Alan and Ellie. Speaking of which, with the locusts, they get into hazmat suits to look at the bugs, which. Is it's a good sequence, but again, it's not really what I expected Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler to do when they brought back uh, these characters. Yeah, it feels like they're they're like third wheels in a way, almost. Eh, sort of, not really. Like like yeah, no, I can kind of see that, but in a way, it feels like the focus is it's trying to do two things: it's trying to appeal to the fans of the original, and it's trying to continue the Owen Grady, Claire, Maisie, etc. story, and it's like can't juggle both it's like they could have gone like one way Take or they could have gone the other way yeah yeah Take exactly one. but yeah um beta and Maisie freed the science lab while alan and ellie are attacked by the locusts Maisie runs into ellie and alan after they barely escape you know being you know swarmed by the locusts and she recognized them which yeah, interesting but it would make sense in a way because I guess Lockwood told her about them and about the first Jurassic Park and whatnot. But yeah. again, it it is something that when you really think about it with the continuity, it is a little bit suspect, but it's such a minor thing that we all kind of ignore that. Yeah. So we get to finally cut back to Kayla as she attempts to land on a Dodson's uh, Biosun site, but she's denied. And then we get probably one of the better parts of the movie where her plane is attacked by a Kezi Kotalis. And yeah, it is so so cool just this is again what i wanted to see more of in this movie stuff like you know dinosaurs attacking planes and whatnot and how they have to deal with it claire mm -hmm. uh parachutes out while being attacked by the pterosaurs and uh but meanwhile the plane is going down thanks to the kezi kotalis which again funny i mentioned cue the winged serpent when a uh, dinosaur based on kezi kotal appears on this yeah but yeah. Wireless. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> Alan and Ellie uh, run into Ramsey and they try to make like a lame excuse. But it turns out Ramsey is also on their side to help them stop the locusts, which kind of feels abrupt in a way. But in another way, it does make sense because Dogson is a greedy bastard. So, yeah, oh, you would be against fun, him. Yeah. yeah, It actually right. does help with an earlier scene because uh, the way that... Ellie and Grant got into where the uh, locusts were was uh, that uh, he said, oh, hey, uh, don't go down that elevator, by the way. That takes you down to where all the restricted stuff is. And I thought, this seems so forced. What the hell? And then turns out he's a good guy working for them. I was like, oh, that explains that. It could have been yep. a little more subtle with it, but regardless... But now we have a, another good sequence in the movie. Again, this movie has like flashes of brilliance. Like it has parts that it doesn't make me completely despise it. It's not like a one out of 10 movie because it does have some good parts in it. Absolutely. It has the part where Claire is stalked by the fair Rinizosaurus. Excuse me for the Rinizosaurus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's another Which, really what, good debut sequence into new, the movie. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, it's another really good sequence of the movie, though. I feel like the most tension it has is when she's hiding under the water and just, like, leering over her and that. 
that again is a move is a sequence that deserved a much much better movie than what it got absolutely yeah and again there's another good moment where the plane crashes and owen and and kayla are on the ice and they're talking it's kind of dull until they're until they're suddenly uh confronted by a pyro raptor which Again, is a really another cool sequence when the Pyroraptor falls in the ice and you think it's uh, drowned, but then it jumps out of it and continues pursuing them. It's a really good scare. And again, I like that they do that. I like that they put in new species of dinosaurs. I like that they weren't afraid to have some good action sequences, but it just is surrounded by so many other bad parts of the movie that it really makes it feel like you know, you you could have had it. You really could have had it. if they if they gave another crack at the script, if they maybe changed some things around with the character development and the setting and whatnot. This could have been a good movie, but alas, it is not. So yeah, the movie then uh, cuts to Ellen, Alan, Ramsey, and Maisie on the monorail. It turns out Ellie knows Charlotte, which. Okay, that is something that comes completely out of nowhere, in my opinion. For the most part, I mean. This is, let's think here. Uh, Charlotte was the original girl from, like, the first Jurassic Park, correct? Yeah. And there you go. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but it must have happened, like, off screen during the uh, during the first one because they weren't on the tour very long. They only met, like, with the Dr. Wu in the uh, dinosaur hatching facility. And then they went Maybe. on the tour, basically, to see the dinosaurs, so... I don't know when would they have the, when would they have had the time to meet with Charlotte. Again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just something that, you know, maybe it's just, again, maybe it's just me, but something that is really a little bit annoying. But again, that, it maybe is that annoying. Yeah. It felt so like one of those uh, fanfic insert kind of things. Yes. Yeah, it actually yeah. has a reason for being there. Yeah, it does later on, but for right now, it feels really off. Of course, Dodson finds out that they're leaving because, of course, he put trackers on them. He shuts down the monorail, which causes the group to have to go on foot. And at this point, Alan Grant turns into Indiana Jones, which, I mean, to be fair, he is better than Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. I haven't seen that movie yet. No spoilers. No spoilers, but he, he is better than Indy in that movie. Let's do it that way. Of course, Malcolm confronts Dodson about what he's doing and is fired, which, you know, would have happened eventually. But it probably was a way just to get him to see, um, you know, the the group again, to not have them be separated for so long. But the part, again, with Grant in the cave, with Ellie and Maisie, with like the makeshift torch and whatnot, that really is so much like Indiana Jones. It's like it reminded me a lot of in the the Well of Souls in uh, Raiders. Sort of. I mean, yeah. I 100% understand what you're talking about, but most of those are like coincidental, not directly. I, for I the don't most know. Part. I don't know because the way it was framed in that, it really did remind me a little bit of Indy, you know, going into the Well of Souls and confronted by the snakes and that. And it, it, it felt a little bit deliberate. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But, yeah, I can definitely see that part of it. So, anyway, uh, the group is then chased by uh, various dinosaurs before they come across a gate and uh, run into Malcolm. Malcolm tries to save them by uh, opening the keypad, but, of course, uh, Ramsey ends up just pressing the button to save them. They obtain the DNA, and then we cut back to Claire, 
who was attacked by a Dilophosaurus before being saved by Owen, and the Dilophosauruses are definitely going to come into play later on in the movie, and Absolutely. in a very ironic way. And yeah. Dodson deletes everything about his plan. He burns all the locusts, and he tries to basically get away on the monorail. The flaming locusts, of course, uh, some of them get out of their pen, and they basically cause a wildfire because, way to go, genius, you had a bunch of little insects on fire and you put them in the woods. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh man, it reminds me of this one scene from Gumball where, like, uh, uh, Gumball put, like, freaking uh, dynamite or firecrackers on a bunch of uh, flies, and, like, the flies, like, oh, and then they, and, like, what makes this even worse is the fact that there's, like, ectofreeze as, like, a sort of lake, and, like, they get out, and, like, they drop the firecrackers, some of it catches on fire, and, like, and it just, it's just an entire fucking blaze. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Ian, Alan, Ellie, et al., they try to escape via a Jeep, but it crashes. Uh, kind of, I guess, trying to be like the first one with the Jeep in the tree, but here it just part. feels like it's a callback for callback's sake. But Claire and Owen yeah, find the Jeep. Yeah, that's all I forgot about that, yeah. in honesty. yeah. Claire and Owen find the Jeep. They save Maisie. They, they, the protagonists of the sequel trilogy finally meet with the protagonists of the original trilogy. And the use of the Jurassic Park theme here, again, it doesn't feel really earned. It should have been saved for like the reveal of maybe like uh, what happens in a couple of minutes. But for this part, it's just like it's characters meeting each other. Do we really need to play the theme song? It's kind of like, again, in James Bond, when they play the James Bond theme in, uh, in From Russia With Love, when Bond is just casing his hotel room. It feels a little bit out of place in a sequence that is not very action-packed. Again, it might be for nostalgia purposes, though. It feels I like the director or the editors thought that this was going to have just a giant fan reaction, like in uh, uh, No Way Home, where all the Spider-Men were meeting up and just the audiences went wild. Yeah, and I can understand that. However, uh, here it's not as impactful, but it absolutely does have a bit of... Uh, but it does have some impact. That's pretty much the whole film in a nutshell. There are, there are moments with uh, where the impact is there, but it ultimately just doesn't feel like it's 100% like oomph, you know? Yeah, no, no, I definitely understand. I understand completely with that. So yeah, the group is is cornered by a probably one of the another good uh, new dinosaurs in this movie, the Gigantosaurus. And the way that Ian sets its mouth on fire, Claire tasers it in the eye. It does show that they work together to basically drive this dinosaur away from them. And again, it's another part I would have liked to see more of. I feel like they should have united with each other way earlier in the movie than like the portion of it. It Well, at least as a bonus at this point. In this, as a bonus, in this particular scene, we pretty much uh, get the Giganoto technically being a dragoness because, like, it roars out and it breathes fire. It fire, yeah. So technically, it's a female dinosaur and a dragoness, a first for this podcast. <laughs> yep. Yep. So yeah, Dodson <laughs> has Biosyn completely evacuated, and he confronts Ramsey about what he's done. And Claire attempts to reboot the system again, kind of like what Lex did. 
Maisie and Owen want to rescue Beta, much to Ellie, Alan, and Malcolm's amusement, which does get a good line from Malcolm, which, again, Malcolm probably has the best lines of the movie. He goes like, you made a promise to a dinosaur? Again, he feels like he is much better written here than he was in uh, Fallen Fallen Kingdom. Kingdom, Yeah, yeah, he feels like Ian Malcolm. The lines he says feels like Ian Malcolm. I'd also like to add from this point on, I'm not sure if this was intentional or not, but uh, Ian uh, feels like he becomes an audience surrogate. Uh, He speaks to Claire, uh, uh, oh, you were the one in charge of Jurassic World. Not a fan. Uh, (laughs) When uh, the system went down and uh, uh, Claire and Ellie were down there uh, uh, shutting it off, uh, they they screamed out, oh, it's rebooting. Shouldn't do that. just stuff yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, it felt like they were using him as like meta commentary in a way, which does make sense because Ian Malcolm would do that. But on the other hand, it it could be a little obnoxious to some people. But it is in character. At least there's that. Absolutely. So yeah. Uh, Dodson uh, attempts to escape by the monorail, and Ellie and Claire have to go to turn on the power, like in the original Jurassic, in the original Jurassic Park, and. We finally get to see uh, Beta, uh, Alan, interact with the dinosaur, and Owen, Maisie, and Alan uh, get Beta to calm down with the uh, stupid hand-up signal, which apparently is the universal sign for a dinosaur to chill out. So I mean, it worked in How to Train Your Dragon. I mean, and it's it probably not 100% world. the world's worst way to tame an animal. Yeah. That's for but sure. Co- exactly, so. yeah. But yeah, they uh, they reboot the system and some of the locusts come back to life to attack them. And another kind of pointless action scene is it feels like it was just there to have like a jump scare. But we get to see uh, Claire and Ellie after this reroute the power. And Dodson is killed by the Dilophosaurus exactly like Nedry. And we there is a cute touch. They do have the Barbasol can in the background. But on the other hand, it's like... How did Dodson get that can? It was buried under the mud, and that mud would have been there for like 20, 30 years ago. You know, the embryos would have been long dead, and why did he get it? To honor Nedry? You know, Dodson seemed more annoyed and irritated at Nedry than anything else. Hear hear me on this, though. It's more of a reference to the Telltale game, actually. Oh, yeah. Wait, there was a Jurassic World Telltale game? Yeah, Jurassic Park. Oh. Yeah, it, it was it was all right from what I've seen. I've seen a video of it. It looks fun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hear me out on this one. So, the the canister didn't have that much damage on it. In fact, hardly any damage is merely cosmetic. You know. Yeah. But so but that would mean twenty to thirty years. Like, if the coolant like was able to last that long, which it probably did, if he was so like dead set yeah. on keeping it. Only thing though is in the first one they actually say that uh, in like uh, forty eight hours or something like that this will not be functional. So it should uh, they actually say that in the first one when uh, he gives Nedry the uh, coolant. Mm. He says that you know in forty eight oh, yeah. hours you know if we don't have the dinosaurs it's it's all over. Okay. Yeah. No, that's well, okay, then I don't know why he kept no, it. No, it's all right, but. Unlike Nedry's death scene, which is iconic and is one of the uh, probably one of the best parts of the original, Dodson's death scene here it feels underwhelming because it's done with the strobe lighting. You don't really get to see the impact like it had on Nedry in the original. Part of it might just be because the original it was such a shocking moment, whereas here it's like expected. 
But again, it feels compared to Nedry's death, Dodson's death feels, it, it's not satisfying. It's not, you know, for the villain. It feels underwhelming. It's like, well, he was the bad guy in the first one. Let's have him die like the bad guy in the first one. It felt like sure. another reference for a reference sake. Well, for the most part, I will say, though, it is very fitting because he has the thing and the Dilophosaurus killed him like they killed the initial one because, like, it's the curse of the Shaving Grave, which is honestly pretty (laughs) funny, all things Uh, considered, and honestly fitting. If that was the intention of it, that it was the cursed uh, Shaving Cream can, I would be okay with that. That, I would accept that explanation. The ghosts of the embryo. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Dr. Wu shows up to use Maisie's DNA to save the dinosaurs. And again, another good line from Malcolm is, it's him. Why is it always him? Which is another good line because it really is what the audience is thinking at this point. Why do they keep trusting Dr. Wu? He's the reason why everyone's even in this situation. In the first place, at exactly. Least he, he, at least here he's trying to fix shit. Yeah, for, yeah. For the most part. And then Honestly, we finally yeah. get to see more of Rexy when in the main uh, plaza of Biosen, we get to see her fight the Gigantosaurus. And there's a really cute moment with Rexy making the Jurassic Park logo and like the fountain statue. That was cute. That was a reference. I was like, okay, you got me with that one. But the fight here between Rexy and the Gigantosaurus, it feels like it focuses more on the humans escaping rather than the actual dinosaur fight. It's like, you know, the, the camera is more positioned on the humans than the dinosaurs. That, that is true. Because, However, uh, this does have a somewhat, this does have some build-up to it. Because, like, no, it, in the first scene of the movie, it shows dinosaurs in the past, and it shows Giganotto killing the Tyrannosaurus Rex in the past. And then, later in the movie, it shows Giganotto, like, fighting off, fighting off the T-Rex for, its de- for like, its meal. And then it ultimately comes down to a final fight between the T-Rex and over and the Giganotto, and it honestly feels pretty fitting in in terms of like the Giganotto getting its just rewards. You know? Yeah, just in regards you know? to the the fact that it focus it seems to focus more on the humans escaping. It's ironic because Alan Grant actually uh, set, has a meta line in this. It's not about us when the dinosaurs start fighting. And then it just focuses on them. I see. Is true. Yeah. Like, they're not, like, it's about dominance, not specifically, like, they're hungry. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely can see that. But again, uh, we get to see the humans escaping while Rexy manages to kill the Gigantosaurus by impaling it on the Theriniosaurus's claws, which is a really cool ending. And I, again, I feel like if the fight was better, it would have been a really satisfying ending. Like Rexy pushing the Gigantosaurus onto the giant claws of the Therinzosaurus. It's mm-hmm. you now impaled right through its neck in that, which it's pretty it cool. cool. It's a, it's a really, and it's a cruel it death. It looks cool, but it, it looked, ended abruptly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It feels like, you know, oh, we're running out of time for the movie. We, uh, we gotta do this. So, exactly. The uh, movie ends with Owen giving Beta back to Blue and they go off into the wilderness and admittedly a sweet sequence where we realize that uh, Owen is probably not going to see Blue ever again, but she's going to be free with her hatchling in the wild and whatnot. It is cute. 
We get to see uh, Dr. Wu stopping the other locusts by releasing the uh, swarm together. Okay, and... okay, quick tangent, actually, yep. because I, I, did bring, I did bring this up a little bit, but that particular scene with uh, Blue and Beta going into the wild, never to potentially see Owen again, is dubious in a way that makes me a little hopeful, but a little concerned. Because on the one hand, like... It shows Blue coming back when they're about ready to leave, uh, like looking at Owen, like saying, like giving a silent, like it could be taken as a silent thank you, as a silent sign of trust potentially again, which I'm glad they brought it back, but at the cost of freaking having her, having her undermined in this movie for the most part. But on the other, like you said, like this this ultimately could very well be the last time they see each other because it's in a clearing far possibly far away from the from the back cabin. We don't know where this is. But the the way they look at each other, it feels like a sense of finality that makes me a little concerned because it but because either it means they're actually going their separate ways or like it'll take a little longer for uh, for them to like gain back what they ultimately lost which uh, it, it definitely gives me those worry pits like i mentioned before the, and this ending right here is where i take great issue with not because it's super long which is also a valid issue not because like it not because like it uh there are probably a bunch of other issues that I'm not thinking of, but that is the big one for me right there because I have great concern like where well where it's going, but we're never going to get an answer. We probably don't need an answer of where it's going because it's it's probably going to get worse, which I don't exactly, which I'm not looking forward to, and I don't think anyone else is, but it's very much, uh, but it. But yeah, this particular scene uh, here would have been much better if there was like maybe a little tiny more uh, more trust more to it. And also if it didn't uh, go out the way it did in the middle of nowhere away from the cabin and it. Man, you really, really hit the nail on the head right there. I, I, I really had a lot. I really had a lot of thoughts for that particular scene. No, no problem. No problem. I saw it and uh, when I saw it again, it was yeah. Uh, it, it's very weird for me. No problem. No problem at all. I, I definitely agree fine. with you. Yeah, but like I say, uh, I, the thing I do like is the shot of the world managing to coexist with the dinosaurs, like the mosasaurs, going with like a pot of sharks. Which, okay, not very plausible, but all right. We see still like the stegosauruses in like the wilderness with the African animals and whatnot, which could be a good ending. But again, the movie felt like it didn't build up to this at all. It's like the dinosaurs were attacking mankind. Now they're living in peace with the world. It doesn't feel very cohesive when compared to the even the beginning of the movie. It's like, you know, oh, the bad guy was, you know, defeated. Yeah. So that means that, you know, that means that we're finally at peace. It's like the end of Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones, where a volcanic eruption somehow manages to solve racism in Los Angeles. Also, the end so of this weird thing that, where yeah. it, it was a narrator speaking over events as if it was like a, a fallout, these were your choices, ending screen. Yeah, that is true. That is very, very true. Yeah, I it will feels- say this, though. 
I will say this though, while the ending uh, delivery and execution, uh, well, okay, the execution is honestly fine, and I will admit the buildup definitely stumbled a lot. I can't say that the message is an absolute terrible one because no, no, it's a good message, but it it feels yeah. a little awkward in a movie like this. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, like I said, it, it did remind me a lot of a uh, Tommy Lee Jones's uh, volcano ending, which is equally uh, very off-putting when compared to the rest of the movie. Yeah. So yeah, uh, this is probably it might not be the technical worst movie on the podcast, but for so it far, is. I really. Uh, I did not like this movie at all. It had, it's not a one out of 10. A one out of 10 is for movies that have no redeeming values as, as nothing going for it. This, this movie has... had a couple of good sequences and it had a couple of cute character interactions. I think the, the movie overall though, it really feels like it amplifies everything that is bad about long running franchise at this point. They have the nostalgia bait. They introduce new concepts that never do anything with it. They introduce new concepts that have nothing to do with the original movies. Again, this movie isn't the worst. It's not like it's not the worst movie I've ever seen or anything. I have seen a lot, lot worse than this, but it's not very Absolutely good. Absolutely same. I've seen worse, but it is yeah, same. All bad. Uh, yeah, the the good mo- the good moments and some of the moments people hated, I thought were. Okay, I have not, I've seen some of the I've seen at least one Bourne movie. I've seen uh, like technically one James Bond movie, and I have not seen any of the Mission Impossible movies. So I can't really uh, I can't really get 100 percent on board with those comparisons. But I will say this. There are some moments in this movie that definitely didn't didn't really grip me like there were some that tried to and some that ultimately did for the most part. But yeah, this didn't have the impact of the others. At least Fallen Kingdom had some impactful scenes, despite being uh, not that great a movie for the most part. It's still it's still somewhat good. It's still good, bordering on okay. But this is just okay. It is not a. It, this is not one hundred percent a. This is not a great movie. It's not a terrible movie. There are way worse out there, like some of you said, but I will absolutely say that freaking this movie was, yeah, this was not a great movie to 100% sit through. Uh, it, it, it wasn't a bad first viewing, but I don't think, but I think the first viewing is all you're really going to get. Yeah, no, you, you are definitely right about that. And, but of course, this movie was a monster hit despite your know, negative fan and critical reviews. So they're definitely going to make another one and we'll discuss oh, when it happens, no. which is going to lead into the question of the week, which is where can the Jurassic World franchise go from here? And I'm going to go first. It's probably going to be an obvious uh, answer, but I'm going to say this right now. They're either going to do time travel in it, like going back actually to prehistoric times where. It might rip off a Ray Bradbury's A Sound of Thunder story with, you know, hunting the dinosaurs and whatnot. Could be an interesting idea. Or to rip off uh, frickin' Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. That too, that too. That too, that too. But like, or, and, you know, this is just because, you know, Universal Studios has both of those huge franchises. 
I, I guarantee they will try to find a way to make a crossover with Jurassic World and Fast and the Furious. They will try and find a way to make that happen. Have Dominic Toretto versus Dinosaurs. Oh, dear. Oh, God. Oh, I mean, Cadillacs versus Dinosaurs already exists as a series. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They exist? Yeah, that was an animated series, Cadillacs versus Dinosaurs. It was cheesy, hilarious 90s fun. Oh, dang. Wow, that, that, that sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. I gotta check that out. That sounds, just the title alone sounds like fun. That's why everyone watched it. Now. Huh. And any, but yeah, I honestly kind of, okay, hear me on this one. I do think the time travel does have levity. However, if we are to take the movie at face value and overall, if we are to take these movies at face value, namely like the Raptors being like gradually extinct, I kind of want to see them like protect the Raptors. Like, Blue started a legacy, so so to speak, and what? And I don't know what they're gonna do with that. And I'm I'm a little concerned. I honestly don't want to see a sequel, but if it has to happen, I kind of want to see most of the. Uh, most of the dinosaurs come back. Like, I, I kind of want them to tackle the uh, subject of, like, freaking ex- potential extinction and endangerment. Because that's, in, in a good way, poss- in the best way possible. Because extinction and endangerment are serious things that are still going on on the planet today. Like, the Nautilus, the reef sharks. Hell, pandas are the earliest example, more or less. And like I, and this is mostly inspired from a thing I saw about one of the uh, last white great white rhinos uh, passing to, passing away, or like the last white rhino. But yeah, I kind of want to see them like tackle with that. I kind of want to see them go in depth a little bit. The the emotion, the feeling, the oomph that some of the others had that Jurassic World Dominion just didn't, you know. Like exactly. and if, and if it really is true that the raptors are overall like d- dwindling and or like just gone like technically Rio, I I kind of want to see what they can do with that. Like I want to see what happens. I mean, it very well could just end end up being like a cycle for like Blue Beta and their descendants. But yeah, if not the time travel thing, which I honestly want to see happen, like them going into the past, discovering dinos, finding out what's what. I, I kind of want to see them tackle extinct, uh, actual dinosaur extinction. Like, uh, being unable to, like, they very well could bring back the raptors, but like, for someone like Blue and Beta, two unique species, one of which were tainted blood, the other with pure blood, but both having the ability to constantly reproduce, it's a one-of-a-kind species that I kind of want to see tackled a bit more. If not them, their descendants even, you know? Wow, that's really, really well said. Wow, wow. Um, that, that, that way blows out my sisters out of the water. Uh, I, I, I still like the time travel one. It, it's very yeah, yeah, good. I know, I know. But yeah, wow. That, that, that is something I, I, I want to see that. That, that is I'm an amazing one. Yeah. But uh, I'm not sure how they're going to handle it, seeing as how uh, Dominion was uh, controversial. Yeah. I, I, 
I haven't seen uh, Camp Cretaceous yet, yet either. I I haven't heard much about it, but uh, no news is better than well bad news. news, Yeah, we are going to discuss it on the podcast eventually. We're going to take a break from uh, Jurassic Park and the whole uh, dinosaur franchise after this for a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but we are definitely going to discuss Camp Cretaceous sometime in the podcast. So look out for that. Yep. And yep. Now it is time for the uh, Dragonist scale. Where we uh, patent penny dragon scale, we rank uh, the dragonesses from one to ten. Uh, the, the dinosaurs in Jurassic World Dominion. See, this is difficult because on one hand, you had a lot of good sequences with them, a lot of good sequences, and they are—they are the best part of this movie. They and are a bunch probably of the most powerful. Like you said, yeah, a lot more dinosaurs than were in the previous ones, including brand new ones that we had never seen in the franchise before, and they all got their time to shine. But on the other hand, it feels like it's a paradox. They were important, but yet they were also just in the background. So I'm really going to have to split the difference. I'm going to have to give them a probably a six out of ten that I did not think I'd be that low. But they they when they're on screen, they're great. They they are easily the best part of the movie. But like you said, a blues uh, character uh, regression and things like that kind of knock it down. And the fact that the dinosaurs in a franchise about dinosaurs, they don't seem that important in this movie. They are, but they aren't. It's like, it's a weird paradox. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, Angron, what would you have to say? Okay. So as much as I thought the movie was a little better than most of y'all ultimately, uh, ultimately said, I will play, I will play double dadicfiscuit and say yes. The dinosaurs didn't have a lot of moments. However, the moments they did have kind of do it a little more for me personally. They ultimately uh, they ultimately shined through in many ways and even even the bad moments with blue and admittedly beta sometimes ultimately uh, like the good ultimately shines through a little better than the bad. And it's for that reason I'm going to be a little more generous and give them a 7 out of 10. Like okay. they really really try they really did diversity here re- pretty well. They did like do ta- lightly uh, toy around with some ideas. No no major oomph. But yeah, I I liked the dinosaur moments a little better than most. Even if like they took a back seat and again didn't give the whole oomph, like the whole impact sort of thing. It, it it was not a great impact, but it was still enough for me to to at least uh, give credit where credit was absolutely due. Okay, uh, striker, what would you have to say? Oh boy, do I have a lot of things to say. I mean, we already said what was needed to uh, needed to be said, but it's just I felt like while there were good moments in the movie, ultimately it started to fall off near the end with the dr- dinosaurs. And I'm gonna have to give the dinosaurs a um uh five actually. Mm, wow, I had a feeling. I yeah, honestly I expected that. a four out of ten. Wow. So, uh, Math, what would you have to say? I'm a five as well, solely on the fact that they looked amazing in this movie. 
They are props. Yeah. Without blue, without any personality carrying them, there's nothing here. I am just looking at set pieces. They're very nice looking set pieces, but they're just and set them, pieces. And some of them do have character. Absolutely do not describe that. But yeah, I will admit yeah, so Some that... of them do have a little bit of character, but they just don't have the personality. Like, like blue was absolutely the star of one and two. This one... It's got a little dinosaurs, a little bit of personality, but there's no real character to any of them. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely exactly, exactly. That's absolutely true. Unfortunately, and Blue's regression in this was yep. not welcome. Yeah, and all was, five yeah, minutes of Blue was, just doesn't make it work. It was what ultimately uh, made it fall from grace. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And uh, Lucky Evie, what would you have to say? I didn't watch the movie, and I'm honestly glad I didn't. I'm joining from the okay. from this episode. Okay. So uh, five out of ten. The making for blue will not change. Okay. So what score are you going to give it? I think it was nine out of ten. Oh wow! Okay. Okay. We'll put what, that what did you say? A nine out of ten? Yeah, yeah, for I blue. Of, I think that's what it was last time. I don't remember. Uh yeah, he he picked nine out of ten for uh, the last uh, Jurassic. Uh, the Jurassic World movies for a uh, blue. Okay then. Yep, that's an uh, interesting score, but yep, it's that's good. So if you so uh, if you have any questions or if you want to tell us how bad you thought the movie this week was, feel free to email us at fierydiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fierydiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 2006 Danny Phantom episode, Beauty Mart, with Princess Dorotea. It's going to be good to get back to Dragonesses again, and to get back to uh, something a lot shorter again to talk about. Yep, Dorothea. And something actually yep. good. That too. That yeah. Honestly, yeah. yeah. So, thank you guys so much for listening this week, and until next time, take care. Yep, laters. Adios. Adios. Adios.